Welcome back to the Peaky Pod on the Story Archives Network. Are we calling it the Story Archives Network at this point? I'm forcing it down. I'm forcing well, it down, it's Zach. It's the Soapbox Network, yeah? Oh, my God. You're right. You're right. Well, you know what? This is like the Tree of Life type of thing, you know, where we got yeah. like a bunch of trees and like different branches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Story Archives has its own network within the sto- within the Soapbox Network. Well, yeah, well, I, I, the Story Archives has a whole – it's like – think of it like a channel, right? Like okay. so, so you have the network, Soapbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a channel. We're like Disney. Story Archives. Soapbox is Disney. Individual shows. Soapbox is Disney and Soapbox is like Disney XD. No, not bad. That's kind of whack. Disney XD is always whack. <laughs> so, Soapbox is Disney and Story Archives is Epcot. I don't like that comparison. That's a park. I'm talking yeah, about the channel that they own a lot of things. All right, let's get started here. Sorry, ladies and gents. <laughs> We're back again. We're on episode four of season five yep. of the Peaky Pod. Bear with us. You, If you're listening to this podcast, you are listening to a brand new show. You are in with us at the very start of our podcasting journey. Well kind of like a year and a half into it but we're nobodies in this space so um it's all new until we're, yeah it's, it's all it's new not. it's all new until it's not what does tommy say in this episode he's oh. fine uh he's fine he's fine until until he's not fine and then it, then it gets really bad right something along that's those he, lines he says butchering that line well let's get into it um i did a mad sprint today on pretty much notating for the rest of the episodes and yeah i heard um yeah man yeah well, the loop, I don't know how to, I'd say the first three episodes, I was able to kind of like bridge the themes a little better mm-hmm. in terms of like understanding why is the name of that. Like, let me see. The first one is called Black Tuesday, which is the crash. Makes sense. Black Cat is when Tommy is being betrayed. Betrayed or he's he, now he's paranoid to the fact that there is someone who is a Judas in his group. Mm-hmm. Strategy is all about him plant, starting the strategy of, of the comeback. And the loop, if I had to say what the loop is about, I would have to say it's that there's different bridging storylines that are all kind of connected. For example, Tommy has the ballet company at his mm-hmm. house, right? And the ballet company's going on while you know linda shows up at the end and you got like this whole kind of like dichotomy going on where it's like metaphors and this is going on and i don't know i've never seen swan lake or whatever that's called uh black in swan black swan i don't think it's is it black is swan? it I th- oh i don't know i think it's called swan lake black swan is is the movie but um i could be wrong someone, it is swan lake I'm, pre- I'm like 90 percent sure it is swan lake yeah black swan is the um there's a movie the, called black yeah, swan, darren yeah. aronofsky i haven't yeah. watched that either which is like blasphemy in the film world, I guess. But anyways, uh, who cares? Let's get started here. I got the episode here. And um, we're also going to be posting these Google recordings that we're doing uh, because we record audio as well as video. But Spotify, you can't post video. It's a limited feature unless you Mm -hmm. are, uh, I guess, like a signed podcast with them. But You have to be signed at the moment. I think it's going to be released. Hey, goals. But we still have Google to worry about. Goals, man. Goals, right? Um, But we are going to be posting this on YouTube. So if you did want to watch a video uh of us talking about peaky and we also have a pretty neat side-by-side until youtube kicks us off for doing this but i think Mm -hmm. it's fair use because what the hell anyways let's get started on this episode a really fun one while it's getting started the only thing i was going to say like the loop like the only it's similar to what you were saying is yeah maybe it is it is uh linda coming back in in the episode right but in addition to that, like, there's a lot of, like, connections that begin to be made. Like, for example, 
the the check that uh, Oswald ends up signing, right? Like there, there's a lot mm. of like you start to see the connection between everything, and maybe maybe that's what they're insinuating. Mm. I don't Anyways. know. I don't know. May I? Everything's coming full circle. I'm not. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in these episodes. Like there's a lot of notes, mm-hmm. but um, let's get into this ep- uh, episode recap. I will say this episode has the weirdest opening scene ever, <laughs> at least of this season. It's like they reuse the same sh- stuff, right? They're like, because Grace in the Fire is a shot from earlier in the season. And mm-hmm. then we get this vision of Grace floating down the canal on the coal Which bed, right? from like the previous episode. Yeah, a lot of it is just flashbacks in his head. Maybe well, that's to loop. It's bringing in the loop into into play here, right? It's looping back old stuff. Yeah, it is. It is looping back to to old memories. So I guess yeah. I guess that could work. Did we leave off last episode with the hand grenade and McCavern saying, "If it's war you want, yep. Tommy Shelby, it's war like you last shall have." Part of the last episode. Yeah. This yeah. is your favorite characters, McCavern. I like. I th- he's one of my favorite villains. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's just the. We've got to get you face to face with Jimmy, man. Ah, oh, that's. Billy I love boys. the Billy Boys and their songs. <laughs> like they're just yeah. So the opening scene of songs. episode four, you get the truce, the white flag between McCavern and Tommy, and I I think this may be the first face to face with Jimmy and Tommy. Am I mistaken? Mm, I think it's the first, and right? I, yeah, because yeah, they haven't seen each other until this point, from my yeah. understanding. So Jimmy walks off the boat, and if you notice, he's kind of towing the line between the dirt and the concrete. It's kind of like he's walking the line. Uh-huh. Um, this is all about, really, Tommy trying to delay the war between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, well, if you haven't paid attention or noticed, because upon first watch, you would miss a lot. And, I, dude, I, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm watching these episodes for the first time, but so many details I missed. Um, Jimmy crucified Abraama Gold's only son. Mm-hmm. And this is what Tommy is trying to prevent is that war from coming to fruition right now. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's interested in his racetracks, I believe. He's interested in um, taking control of some of Tommy's territory, mm-hmm. um, which he does make, he does allude to pretty much Tommy needing to share at some point. But uh, in this confrontation with the two of them, Tommy's pretty much playing a cool, taking on the role of politician here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, one of my co- like commentaries on this was it felt kind of like he was subtly pulling an Oswald on McCavern, where you get the sense that whenever Mosley is talking and negotiating with Tommy that he's kind of like saying I'm better than you in some mm-hmm. way. And, and Tommy's kind of doing that to McCavern here, is he not? Yeah, but, you know, it, it's kind of like the political speak that he has to you know do now right like you can't be as blunt like anything that he says has to mean something else um but yeah it totally comes off as (laughs) i'm better than you yeah and i've got to say that well he he makes it known like yo i own this town Mm -hmm. and not only do i own this town but there's going to be a gun with sights on you at all times because yeah Isaiah, who's kind of low-key the most, one of the more valuable peaky soldiers in the bunch. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, we've he's seen a, him do more than others. He's a staple peaky boy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy lets him know, you break the white flag, and I put an extra $500 check inside of there for your wife to buy you a, 
to buy a black suit so she can wear a black dress and a black feather and all sorts of black things that she's going to buy to celebrate the death of her husband. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I also like how when Jimmy gets off the boat, he, he says something along the lines of, uh, my white flag is, flag is for a truce. Yeah. Yours is for surrender. Which, honestly, at this point, it kind of is. If you think about it, like, Jimmy's not so... He he doesn't he doesn't mind fighting Tommy right now. It's Tommy who it has a couple. You know, Tommy always has three or four strategies that he's working at mm-hmm. once, right? Always, he'd be foolish not to. Yeah. In the following scene, we get um, Billy Grade, who I didn't know his last name was Grade. Is it Grade? Like Grade? School? Yeah, that that that's what I was saying. And like, I think it was episode two when we were, when we were uh, talking about his name. I thought ever since the first time I watched it that it was Billy Gray until we watched it with subtitles and i'm like oh it's billy grade yeah like an a plus well we're seeing this guy's got like an f yeah and a lot of these scenes we're seeing kind of the evolution of billy grade here from from man who tried to clean up his act and stop you know drinking and all that kind of stuff to being the peaky's go-to soccer game or football Mm -hmm. game fixer right yeah and uh here he's still nervous like big time around super twitchy like he's so twitchy yeah, he's honestly annoyingly twitchy, but Arthur's pretty despicable if we think about it, right? In the sense of what he's doing to this guy. Yeah. But that's a lot of Peaky Blinders. Is they do terrible things, but it's usually off camera. Yeah. Right? A lot of time. Not all the time, but well, I would say the majority it is it is well, off camera. Well, things are escalating for Billy because it, I think it went from a lower league to now they're going towards the the first league. Mm. Um, or the Premier League, I guess. And so they're having to deal with like Liverpool and like the big name soccer team. So mm-hmm. I would assume the criminal penalty of that was huge, is huge, period. Like you're going to do some serious time if you get caught uh, fixing soccer games. I would imagine. I mean, as with anything, right? Yeah. With, um, with Tommy's newfound political power, this is the first time I think we see him actually dealing with his constituents. Yeah. First. And so this is almost kind of like a Godfather scene. It oh, these scenes always remind me of the Godfather, and when it's you know his daughter's wedding, uh-huh. and everybody's coming to him asking for favors. These scenes always remind me, me of that on the day yeah. of my daughter's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, we get the first one, Mrs. Connors here, who comes in, and she must have killed this because I watched twenty five minutes of deleted scenes that mm-hmm. were to me were more important than this scene, mm-hmm. and. Um, she, I mean, they must have just kept this for the sake of like showing day to day life for the Peaky Blinders now. Yeah, establishing that. I also think it like this this whole scene right here with with her talking about her husband coming home drunk or whatever, and he 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 kills all three of them down in the in the basement or whatever it is. Like <laughs> the, the look on Arthur's, Arthur's face, face is it just comedy. kills me. It's, Pure comedy. It's the funniest thing I've seen in this so far. Now. Do you notice in this, well, I guess you can't really roll into the brilliant Chang scene without putting something right before it. Like, if you would have rolled straight into, like, Tommy, there's a Chinaman outside going to see you, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, you can't really roll into that scene. It's almost like that, there's patterns, like, you know, one, you two, three. You gotta have a relief. Exactly. You gotta have, like, uh, anticipation of what's next. This one wasn't anticipation to something dark, but ends up being that... Her husband, like, I guess, killed three annoying parakeets. Mm-hmm. And um, but I did find I did make a note of something here that I never made a note of before. Hmm. 
am I looking too much into it? Am I watching these episodes too much if I, I think know. that them naming the birds Arthur, Tommy, and Finn is kind of like foreshadowing something? I don't know. I mean, I they they she said that she's just going to name them Arthur, Tommy, and Finn so that her husband thinks twice before he kills them if he tries to again. Yeah. Because they're named after uh, the Shelbys. I, I did find it interesting, though, that it's still always going to be the brothers who have the fame in the neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. Michael, you would say, despite his losses in America, has a more prominent position in the family. He's definitely trusted with more, if you would if you would say. Right now, no, but you'll see more in this episode that Tommy entrusts him once again with something. And um, before this, I mean, he literally was told to go to America and pretty much start, you know, to- expand the company to America. Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah. What do you think of that in terms of like Finn is still like I think we see that Finn's trying to find his way and that Michael technically if he doesn't screw it up could be more important to the family. But he's still the more famous Shelby brother. Well, in terms of age, Michael is is senior to to Finn. Uh he's just not as quite as tightly related. Obviously, he's not their brother. He's what I guess is their cousin. Yeah, their cousin. Um so I don't I don't know. Uh, Finn's still like a a baby, which is what really makes like the next scene with him in it like the most awkward thing. I think we'll ever see. I mean, he's Finn is like eighteen here, bro. For sure. Yeah, I know, but he he acts and just looks and his like his demeanor is is that of like a a a wounded sixteen year old just trying to fit into a group that he doesn't fit into. That's deep. That's deep. I didn't think it was that deep, but thank you. I didn't look that deep into it, but it, this scene did make me miss John Boy. I know. I was like, that that bird should be named John Boy. I know. Should be named Finn. I, naming it Finn is just like, no, he's not even cool enough to, to name a bird after yet. Yeah. This this show that we're doing with Peaky is, um, is obviously for those who have watched this uh, series, and season five has been out for a while now. Um, yeah. So I do want to make a note, and this is a spoiler if you want to just fast forward about, you know, 45 seconds. Note here that the window is open at the, on the barkeep here, mm-hmm. right? I never noticed that before. That will come into play later, but um, it's interesting that he had it closed during Mrs. Connors. There's, like, nothing to listen to special there, right? Mm-hmm. I always do find it odd, though, in Peaky Blinders, if any character has FaceTime. actual like face to camera time Mm -hmm. it's like it's so out of place in peaky blinders because the show is so predominantly just within the family yeah that it's like somebody's gonna have a role to play here right yeah it's kind of like why are you here yeah well they after mrs connor's uh false alarm with the parakeets they get a chinese man walking in through the door who claims to be brilliant chang who i did not get the memo but supposedly brilliant chang was dead brilliant chang was a real gangster i did not ask jimmy to look this up before the show Hmm. but um i believe brilliant chang was actually a real gangster so i'm gonna look it up because you know jimmy is uh, i don't know what jimmy's doing right now i don't know if he is he is chinese restaurateur drug dealer yeah he was implicated in supplying drugs that killed frida kempton in 1922 huh they per- they portrayed him as international drug mastermind and the dope king of London. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's a real character. A lot of these guys are real characters. Now, I haven't looked up if Oswald's a real character, but a lot of these guys are. Well, Chang comes in, and he wants to make a deal with Tommy on moving some opium for him. And uh, the way he does it, or at least the way he sends a message to Tommy, is by sending a Chinese hooker to, um, I'm presuming she's Chinese, but uh, she sends a Chinese hooker to Finn, who proclaims... Uh, you want to say the line, Zach? No, you, you do it better than I do. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it because it's, uh, it's just cringe. There's a couple of lines in the season where Finn or whoever, I don't know the name of the actor who plays Finn, but I don't know. it's just the delivery of it. It's like, God, do we need that line? Yeah. Um, he's, well, he, he's just like a horny little boy. I want to fuck everything. Yeah. Well, let's just say he falls for the bait in some sense here. Well, uh, the Shelby brothers, Arthur and Tommy, are kind of not feeling this uh, – the show of force, but I've got to roll with Chang. I think it was kind of necessary to get their attention. Do you not think so? Yeah. Because I, I don't think he's concerned for himself here at all. Like, I don't think there were, like, it was, it was out of security. It was just really out of getting him to take, getting them to take him seriously and to break Tommy out of his political position and and bringing him back to the, the gangster yeah the, the gangster world now i'm dealing with the real tommy not the political political tommy i want to change my mind on this tommy needs to make money he lost money in the crash mm-hmm. if chang would have just came in there and been like yeah no maybe tommy would have screwed him maybe tommy would have screwed him right if chang didn't show that we can't we do have some retaliatory mm-hmm. abilities to get to your loved ones right yeah. So I take it back. Chang had to do what he had to do because Tommy's not a saint. Let's be honest. We may root for the Shelbys, but he'll They're screw criminals. over whoever he needs. He, he'll screw over anybody he's got to screw over to do what he wants to do. As Oswald sure. says in this episode, there he's a man for whom forbidding is forbidden. is not allowed. Forbidding is forbidden, which is a great line, by the way. It is it's a great, great line. line. Yeah. Um, well, the the gist here of Chang's proposition is that he has seven tons of opium. Of which Tommy has a pretty good spy network. He's given Varys from Game of Thrones some a run for his money at this point because he heard the report of seven tons that went missing uh, mm-hmm. from a dock stolen by some Chinese gangsters, I think he says. And yeah. um, he calculated that it's worth about 1,190,000 pounds on international markets, which I don't know what the equivalent value of that would be in today's mm-hmm. money, but I would assume that's in the hundreds of millions in today's inflationary. I actually did some math, and so I'll wow. get I'll get to that later <laughs> in the show. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, well, it's very uh, very interesting. But yeah, get to it later. Yeah. Well, Finn survives. Um, the woman lets him go. Chang makes his point, and mm-hmm. Tommy and Arthur are obviously interested in what's going on here. They agree would, in principle. I would to definitely say Tommy's more interested than than Arthur. Not just because I kind of know what what takes place later on, but. Well, he Arthur does raise his eyebrows to the money. Like, if you notice, when Tommy's actually calculating the money or looking through his notes, mm-hmm. the camera does a like a like a swivel to show Arthur. Well, I would I would also say the amount of money that uh that he brought up. I mean, I think that would raise anybody's eyes just out of out of full transparency. But you'd move some opium for like 120k easy. Why not? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding? <laughs> Me nah. but anyways, you think the Finn? The I understand Finn running back. I think it's understandable, but 
it's just such a i just think that i personally don't respect finn yet i don't respect him at all i mean he just he tommy just checks and makes sure grabs him by the crotch right it's like come on like you he's acting so foolish like like i said earlier he's like a wounded little child just trying to fit in where he doesn't fit in he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't think anything through and well supposedly he's been doing they teach him they they treat him like one too they treat him like one, but I hear later in the show, or the, I don't know if it's this episode or the next one, where they talk about how he's doing good at the racetracks. And so uh, he was is finding his purpose. It was, it was the games. I mean, the games. Yeah, yeah. The, the games. Fixing fixing yeah. soccer games. Yeah. Or, sorry, it's football. Yeah, football. Football. For football. us Americans, it's soccer. For those in the UK, it's like mm-hmm. probably blasphemy to call it soccer. I have a, I have a, I have a lot of people on my team at work. Um, and if you if you say football, they're like, uh, or no, if you say soccer, they're like, no, it's football, football. Because <laughs> it's football in every other country funny. in the world. Yeah. Besides here. Okay. So, here we have Polly walking, stepping where, out of the car. Where do we have this? Uh, this is the which which yard? It's why am I why am I forgetting his name? Charlie. 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 Charlie's yard. Yeah. So. Polly gets out of the car, steps and shit. Ironically, because you know Is they always shit? make fun of Michael shit, stepping in it. Or it's just just regular mud. It's it's shit. It's like it's gotta be shit. Why would she take it off if it was just a little mud? Um. Anyway, she walks through here, and and it's it's Tommy, Arthur, and Polly meeting, talking about whether or not they want to take this new uh, business opportunity of moving seven tons of opium up the canal. Specifically, the important caveat here is for the Chinese. That is the variable that has Arthur very concerned. Mm-hmm. Did you find it interesting that Michael or Finn are not in this involved in this meeting? I mean, it just shows you who the deciding votes are remaining in the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of reservations here. Specifically, the Shelbys don't have a lot of... Do they have a good? They don't have a good history of dealing with foreigners. Period. <laughs> like the Italians, for sure. They got a terrible history with Italians. They've got pretty much a terrible history with anybody that's not a gypsy. If you think about it, mm-hmm. am I wrong about that? Maybe his most successful alliance is with uh, with Alfie, or was with Alfie. Yeah. Right. But all right, Tommy is at a point here where you know Tommy's not risk averse. You know, he is, he's the type of guy who's going to take the risk and, um, he knows he needs the money that, that is, uh, that was lost from Michael. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's break this down a little bit. We have Arthur who votes no about working with the Chinese. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I realized today while watching three episodes, uh, to pretty much finish the season and, and finish my notes, um, although Arthur, I always kind of see him as reckless and wild. Mm-hmm. There is never a scene. I mean, maybe the scenes where he's where he's like in it has to do with Linda, and those scenes he loses his his shit for the most part, you know. Yeah. Uh, but every other scene where he's like on the clock, so to speak, he's very calculated. He just has a way different approach than Tommy does. Mm-hmm. Like he's, it's like going back to our recaps of season one, where you were pretty much discounting Arthur, like kind of being kind of dimwitted. But remember when Grace was asking him about what the Black Star, you know, he was, yeah. she was kind of prying into the books. And Arthur was giving her information, but he also told Tommy, 
hey, this one's asking a little bit too many questions. Like, mm-hmm. he almost knows how to play his personality into into these things. And so, for that reason, I kind of have, I hope, I put a little bit more weight in what he's saying. There is wisdom to what he's saying. Let, let's be honest. He's he's a veteran in this game, just like Tommy is. He's just mm-hmm. not a strategist like Tommy, right? He still needs to kind of take orders and not necessarily take the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, so the other thing I was going to say, right, like Tommy was just talking about how to do this job, they would be getting, what was it, 250,000 euros? Their, qu- their cut, I think, was 250,000 pounds. Yeah. yeah, so their their cut is 250,000 pounds. Um, and that that being half of what, uh, what Michael lost in the U.S., just kind of converting that to U.S. dollar and then, you know, calculating inflation. And it's, it's probably a little different than this, but I would imagine this is, this is somewhat close. That's around nine point five million dollars that uh, Michael would have lost in today's money. Yeah, where back then, like five hundred thousand. I mean, let's think about it. If Michael lost five hundred thousand, which mm-hmm. was, I think, he said it was more than half of the company's legitimate money, or something like that. Yeah. And have you seen Tommy's mansion in this in this show? It's not a mansion. It's like it's like on par, like it's like a miniature Vanderbilt estate, bro. Like, mm-hmm. he does not live, like, in this little thing, which made me wonder, is that really how much it would go for back in the day? Like, um, Tommy's house makes Downton Abbey look like a freaking, <laughs> like, a, you know, project. I don't know. It just does not. Although his house always does look gloomy as hell. I know mm-hmm. it's the show's tone, but whatever. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Polly here. She goes from no, uh, which, can we look up what the criminal, <laughs> I would assume it would be, like, pen- punishable by death. If you got caught moving opium, because she says no immediately when she finds out that it's opium. Uh, I would imagine it was much more intense than just average cocaine, your average petty crime. So much so that she obviously knows that they don't have enough influence to to kill that kind of uh, conviction, right? Yeah, because um, Paulie does say later in this confrontation or in this board meeting that they squashed uh, Arthur, cutting up the face of that Quaker. So. I mean, they have a limited ability to to squash some of these um, investigations or crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does change her vote to a yes when Tommy plays to her weakness and says, look, I'm going to reinstate Michael and put him in charge of the opium trade, which is Polly's kryptonite. She wants him back in the fold, but at the same time, it's, it's a win-win for Tommy. Mm-hmm. Michael takes all the risk as being the face of the opium trade, which means he'll do the, he'll do the prison time, not Tommy. Yeah. Tommy is pretty much immune from the uh, negative repercussions of the business for the most part, right? From a criminal standpoint. Yeah. If we'd have to like guess. But um, the vote passes two to one. And uh, Tommy starts mobilizing his troops in terms of uh, getting the coal ready and the boat ready and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the eerie camera uh, tricks that they do whenever they show like the House of Commons? You ever notice that? What do you mean? Like this is, I think this is Big Ben. I've never yeah. been to Lon- I have never been to London, y'all. So forgive me. Me neither. I want to. That's, Big That's ben. definitely Big Ben. It's definitely Big Ben. Yeah. Uh, but you notice like, there. It's always kind of like this sudden. They didn't really do a push pull here. I thought at first that they did, or maybe they are because no, they're just co- pushing it. I don't think they were moving in any other way. But still, you get what I'm saying. It's always that kind of whenever they're doing that transition to the House of Commons, it's always kind of like unsettling the camera movement that they do to establish that they're we're, all right we're moving locations right mm-hmm. birmingham's always kind of a little bit this is home 
the other the other shots of the House of Commons is always like, this is not home. This is Tommy like in his in his new arena. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all this drama going on with the Shelbys, uh, Tommy does need to meet with Abraham Gold. That's the meeting he alludes to in the previous scene. And here it's um, he's going through, I guess, the strategy of containing Abraham, who obviously wants immediate revenge on Jimmy McCavern. Which I can't blame him, honestly. Who wouldn't? I, I don't even know if I would place picked out. I don't even know if you, you know, could you resist? Like, would you actually listen to Tommy and postpone your revenge? See, it's an interesting question, right? Because it's almost suicide disobeying, right? Like, I don't <laughs> think somebody, Tommy would, somebody's coming after you. I don't think Tommy would kill him. I, I think, I think what he understands is that Tommy wants the man dead too. If I think the situation would be different if Abarama thought that Tommy was a absolutely selfish man that didn't care whether Abarama got revenge or not. Mm-hmm. But Tommy has shown that he does take care of his own. And he also knows that there's, there is, although his son is one of the ones who've been killed, I think the only one who's been killed so far is a casualty in the war. He and, knows that yeah. the Shelby family has lost half of their money. Like they're in the, they're in the shit right now, like just so to speak. And Tommy is throwing in a nice incentive. Like he gets to marry like his, I guess is the equivalent of his high school sweetheart, although he can't read that we find out in this scene, right? Well, he does say he doesn't read, but it he says he doesn't. Come on, reading. Come on, he can't read. He can't <laughs> read, which is not a shame thing on him. It's just he's, he was a gypsy in the early 1900s. I mean, what need did he have to read? Ah, that rhymed. It's true. I just I like do- how quickly he's just like, I don't read. Yeah, well, he does accept terms, and we do get the iconic handshake shot that mm-hmm. we see a few times throughout this season. Um, I do like Abarama as this kind of plot device. Yeah. He always tends to be the one who echoes and always like shocked by Tommy's level of ambition. He goes, Tommy Shelby OBE, does your vanity not have any limit? <laughs> it's always kind of like you need those characters who are, um, they're always like, wow, pumping up the what? ego of the, uh, which that's what Tommy calls it, his, his ego. Yeah. Um but he agrees to marrying Polly, of course. So we I mean who wouldn't, right? Yeah. Agreed. Who wouldn't? I always like it and and all of these shots with the House of Commons. Have you ever noticed how Oswald Mosley's like always lit? At least I think he's always like a little more lit than anybody else. And they they just always like put him in some part of the frame where it's like go back go back to where where he was where Tommy was talking and we saw both of them. I feel like he's always in the frame in a way where he is like, what's the term? I don't think it's forced perspective. It's not forced perspective, but he's he's close to facing the end of like the frame. It like gives you a lot of visual tension there and it kind of just makes him feel like he's always watching. Yeah. Like he's always watching. And then we have a lot of like interesting angles. Like when we do get up close and, and tight to him. I, the reason I paused it on the invitation because I wanted to see what date this one Lake show was, and I also wanted to see where Tommy lived. Arrow House Warwick. Arrow Simple House address, Warwick. huh? Warwick. Yeah, it is. I mean, when there's so few houses of that size. <laughs> I wonder if it actually is a real house. Arrow House. I'm Warwick pretty sure it, it's a real house. I just don't know. It is. It's totally a real house. <laughs> so it's a real house in, in Warwickshire. Huh. 
they like these these House of Commons scenes like a like a black box theater in a way, mm-hmm. which is yeah. interesting th- that they do that. But um, I hear you in, in the watching. But it's not just Oswald who's watching in this one; it's also Churchill. Yeah, he's he's on the opposite side. Yeah, and uh, do you like this Churchill more than much pre- better <laughs> early than the previous Churchill. one? This one makes me feel so much better. I could not stand the last one. <laughs> Is it not the same guy, just with makeup? And I don't uh, know. I I think it's, it, it might be it the same guy. Be. I think it's the same guy. It could be. It's just he's got more heft to him, and it just it seems much better. Yeah. Um, when Tommy's done speaking in the House of Commons because he evangelizes National Socialism in the meeting, and Churchill mm-hmm. looks on. Uh, when he comes back to his office, is he drinking opium or that that I medicine again, I or is it just whiskey? Just whiskey, like he 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 looked. He was gonna pour some out of his decanter, but there wasn't anything in it, right? It was empty. Yeah. So I think he just grabbed grabbed a little bit out of his, uh, um, like his personal there. thing. Yeah, yeah, like like it's just like it's just like the little bit you have on you whenever you need, right? The the reason I asked was because he has a another suicidal kind of um, vision of grace. Uh, of his guilt kind of creeping oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's after Oswald leaves the scene. I don't know. It could have been. And Oswald it wasn't very clear. Oswald also does look very strangely at that drawer. You know, because he did kind of walk in on him taking a sip or swallowing it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I have no idea because he really only has those visions after he's drank that stuff. So it would make sense to me. Why? Yeah, well, he he does kind of start to like. Uh, pry a little bit right like now that we're doing business together we need to know each other no secrets we need to know each other's weaknesses yeah he's, right? he's, he's hinting at so that right it very well could have been opium i just don't think it was very clear although i did always think i'm like dang the way that he he drinks it is just like so smooth but yeah. at the same time i thought it was different actually. it could I thought just he'd... be because you drink whiskey all the time i mean yeah you never know well um, speaking of them getting to know each other, like without no keeping secrets, uh, Oswald is, he's always kind of poking at Tommy and trying to groom him to be the, the, the leader that he needs him to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he essentially just lets him know, Hey, look, I know about your wife. She used to be a prostitute and perhaps I came across her as he says in this, uh, mm-hmm. in this scene, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he's essentially insinuating, yes, I, I've definitely had sex with your wife, but Tommy also doesn't take it laying down here, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, he also lets him know, hey, look, I know a little bit about your love life too, buddy. You know, you're sleeping with your wife, you're sleeping with her sister, and you're sleeping with her stepmother, mm-hmm. you know? And if the church gets involved, that's not going to look too good for you at this point, right? Not at all. I would imagine it wouldn't look good for anybody. I got to say, it's it's one of the, you know, it's one of the few arguments or, you know, dialogues that Tommy has with Oswald that he kind of comes out on top, if I would have to say. Uh, yeah, from what we've seen, Yeah. I would, it, I would agree. Oswald always seems to like have the better hand in, yeah, in all of this. Yeah. This is the only, and even here, right? Like, did it kind of right. just leveled them out a little bit? It didn't really like put Tommy ahead. Did you notice Oswald puts out the cigarette in the actual ashtray where it belongs? Mm-hmm. Is there a pattern that whenever Oswald does not put out the cigarette on the ashtray, uh, that you know? Like like when he rubbed it on the carpet, I think the previous time or some something mm. like that, he won that argument. Like he won that you know confrontation here. Tommy yeah, it's, got it's it. It's kind of like submitting or, or or just you know admitting it's, defeat in some manner. Yeah, and he yeah, also maybe kind, he always kind of like his fallback is appealing to Tommy's you know um, 
weakness for power and ambition, right? Because he says, mm-hmm. look at us, we're two men for whom forbidding is forbidden, and we choose who we uh, waste ourselves in for the most part. Um, yeah. I do I do notice that I don't find it appealing in the sense, like, I, I don't get the sense yet from Tommy that that's appealing to him. I, see, I think he sees him more as a clear-cut black-and-white monster mm-hmm. than he does as, like, an appealing future to be uh running by or usurping right yeah um tommy does have one of these visions of grace again which was the first one without the opium if that wasn't opium i or ladanam as ada calls it later in the episode i don't know i i would i want to say it's opium because i mean that would follow every pattern that we've seen up to this point but it's also the most like intense scene with her in it Right. Yeah. I mean, she's she's standing there, and you know, he's got it. He's pulled his drawer out so we can see his gun, and she's she's sitting there like bleeding, talking about the necklace, like as if she just died. Well, I've got to say, um, you're gonna be happy about this, but I'm starting to hate Grace because these visions mm-hmm. are these visions are starting to kind of like you know take a toll on Tommy here. So uh-huh. if Grace yeah. is the cause, if these fake visions of Grace, because it's not really Grace. No. It's Tommy's guilt weighing him down, right? Mm-hmm. What did you think of this shot, Zach, in the, in the next scene where you have Tommy? I thought this shot was so cool. <laughs> where it's obviously, you know, CGI in the background of like old Birmingham mm-hmm. or London or whatever that building. It looks like almost like a Capitol building in the background. It does kind of look like a Capitol building back there. But it looks so cool. It's almost like Batman in a sense. It, it, I really got, I, I really, you know, got some Batman vibes from this shot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was watching I had to rewind it just to look at it. Um, I like it. It kind of, when I saw it for the first time, it took me off guard a bit. I'm like, what's what's going on with this weird they, angle and then they I just have never done a shot like that his, well i mean tommy's never stood in a position to kill himself either so yeah well you know i i didn't put two and two together that it was that he was standing up there was for that reason mm-hmm. um but he does kind of admit as much to ada in the following scene where just to give a little detail for those who are not watching the episode this is the scene where tommy's looking down at the canal and he sees grace floating um covered mm-hmm. in coal She's wide awake though, she, and she's um, laying in the and, clear. He, and he's driving the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's which just kind a, of insinuates him being the fault of her death. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've also noticed that every, every these the scenes keep getting more and more like intense with him and his his suicidal, suicidal things, yeah. uh, uh, nature here at the moment. Um, and i i want to kind of look back at the other instances where grace appeared and see how obvious it may have may or may not have been of him like contemplating killing himself right because on this one he's literally standing on the outside of a bridge looking down at the water as if he's going to jump in the previous scene just a moment ago after oswald left he pulls his drawer out and has his gun there and then i know I know early in the first episode, right? Like we, we, we got that, that shot of him with the horse, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I wonder if that's a common pattern where like, there's always some instrument involved, you know, during that scene that there, there has to be because, all right. So the first one we see is him with the horse, mm-hmm. right? The second one we have is actually not a second one. The first vision of grace we get is when he fire. goes off to the fire. Mm-hmm. Then we have the meeting with Jesse Eden. Oh no, we have him in the mines where he's gonna drop his hand on the on the mine in the field, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, and then we have he didn't have a vision there. He was just 
he just wanted you know like i can make this all end right here mm-hmm. you know um then we have the jesse eden moment where he, she leaves him and then he sees gray standing on the bar and says happy or sad thomas mm-hmm. uh which is not a suicidal one it was just the old he's depressed he's depressed so about it, it, it's, it it's definitely something that that is progressing in the show then it, it's, it's not it's getting darker for yeah, sure it's, for it's sure. getting much darker yeah yeah and it continues to right mm-hmm. um I hold hope though, because the creator of the show did say that this tale is all about the redemption of Tommy Shelby. So yeah, I hope they don't take a Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I, I was just here. gonna say, right? Like, like the redemption of Tommy, sure, but he's also a criminal. So is, does that does that mean he, he has gets to brought die? to justice? Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, he's a criminal, but you know, in the sense, you know. All right, but if you're somebody so, who's always going to do bad, and I'll let you jump in after this, if you're always somebody that's yeah. going to do bad, somebody has to put you down, and, and right for that to stop. And I don't think he can step away from the life. So you know, I'll, I'll save that for our bonus episode on the weekend. Well, you all right, <laughs> let me play devil's advocate here, uh-huh. or, Shel- or Shelby advocate. What is what's different about what Tommy's doing than what we do in our day to day lives? Most well, people, most people, people have obviously, but let's anymore. think about it. Let's translate it to Shelby speak. He did the criminal stuff so that he could get to the legitimate stuff, mm-hmm. and then he found out that the legitimate stuff is just as bad as the criminal stuff. You got to do favors for people. Mm-hmm. You got to curry favor. You got to hold secrets. You got to you know do what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, how does he get those military contracts? He got those military contracts by doing bad things, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Or by playing. He becoming so important in the underworld that they needed him in the world on top, right? So yeah. my point is a lot of people work and your day job is not what you want. It's not your dream job, but you work your day job so you can get to your dream job. Tommy Shelby doesn't want to be a criminal. Why do you think he's a politician? He wants to legitimize the business. Legitimate business, John. Legitimate business. Well, the whole the whole reason he got into to politics, right? It was it was playing the uh, the communist game and and trying to get insight on communism and, and trade that to the uh, like special Winston branch. Churchill, right? Like, exactly, yeah. this this special branch. Um, and he just he didn't have to get involved with Oswald Mosley. Well, look, let's, um, how else do you get behind the scenes if you're not a criminal? There is always a, a use for somebody like a Tommy Shelby. Mm-hmm. You, think, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's always, you're not going to be able to hire somebody who's above the law to go mm-hmm. and do that. So there's always people who have immunity to report on the things going on. He's kind of like, at the end of the day, he's a soldier. He does have love of country because nobody's telling him to do, the, do this thing with Oswald. Yeah, And also, it doesn't feel like this conflict with Oswald is like other conflicts where there was a personal gain for the Shelbys. Mm-hmm. I think there will be if he's victorious, but um, I don't think it's with that intent that he went into it, right? Yeah. We'll see. But he is moving opium, which ruins people's lives, so he's not I, a great it, guy. It really here. does, much more than the performance-enhancing yeah. drug called cocaine that Arthur <laughs> <laughs> only seems to improve on when, when, when taking. Yeah. Like, you said, well, like we said, he is the most efficient user of cocaine. He, he really is. He really is. Well, uh, after Tommy's um, suicidal stance on uh, the bridge, 
on the bridge. Mm-hmm. He visits Ada at night. And uh, at I got to say. 2 a.m., by the way. Is it 2 a.m.? Yeah, it's Ada and Ben at 2 a.m. Well, Ada is, I really like this dynamic between Tommy and Ada. It's, uh, Tommy's frantic. He's the only one who's really urgent about dealing with Mosley at this point. Nobody else sees the threat the way he does. I mean, he was on the battlefield. He was a leader on the battlefield. And Tommy has an intuition to him that others do not have in the family. Mm-hmm. Now, he is tiptoeing that line between paranoia and intuition, mm-hmm. right? But he is he's right about most of the things that he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to get younger to to hurry up in his process of doing this but yeah um as we'll find out later younger is finding resistance in doing so but um right tommy does so. he does sound the most delusional if you notice he's kind of like the most himself with ada because in the black yeah. cats episode he sounds super delusional outside the house of commons mm-hmm. and then in this episode he sounds really delusional as well and he starts to feel himself a bit it's almost kind of like we you know when you talk to your sister if you're tight with your sister Mm-hmm. there's a female perspective in there that you can kind of like go a little bit over the top and the woman brings you back to earth, you know? And mm-hmm. Tommy kind of likes, let's be real. Tommy likes that people care about him. They, they like that. There's like an aura to him. Cause yeah. look at what, look at what he does. She's like, maybe you should lay off the opium. And he says, she says, how much do you have left of it? He says seven tons. We know he can't use those seven tons. It's not even for him to keep, <laughs> yeah. but he says it in such a way to kind of like, Make his sister stay worried about him, you yeah. know, but also slightly comedic about downplaying the severity of mm-hmm. his situation. Yeah. You know, uh, which I do enjoy kind of like the nuance of that. You know, something else that I kind of got the feeling of in this in this scene when he's talking to Ada is he, he, he ends up taking a moment to tell Ada that basically Oswald's, Oswald, Oswald, God, I don't know why I couldn't pronounce that. He basically tells her that Oswald was right and forbidding is forbidden to, to them. And so I'm wondering, like, is he kind of starting to go mad with power in a way? Like, is that his way of coping with everything else? There's the an element for power. There's an element of truth to the statement that Oswald said, but I also think it's part, like, let me, I'm just having a, he's not seeing the therapist, so Ada's playing the therapist in this scene, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to talk shit. That's essentially what he's doing. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he says that, but he doesn't truly mean it. But he does mean it because when has he ever been forbidden of anything in the show? You know? That's true. Oswald, Oswald has him pegged. It, he they are similar, but there's a difference to to the way that they go about it and the manner of which they go about uh, mm-hmm. their business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but Tommy does go back to kind of like that pity party thing of you know when your baby's born keep it away from me you know like he goes back to that Mm -hmm. which we know is impossible and he knows is impossible come on unless he's dead who tommy yeah that baby's going in there i mean my bet is that carl marx jr is going to be the next leader of the peaky blinders (laughs) kid is smart aside from his little douchey moment with younger like Kids well, running circles around a grown man on the chessboard? Here's here's what I would say. If Tommy goes down, Arthur's going down. I, I like I feel like Arthur would be going down too. Like it would be the downfall of both of them. At the same time, if we're correct in thinking that Michael is on the wrong side here, I do think Carl is the is the strongest mentally when you're left with a Finn and Carl. <laughs> Finn is up the John Boy Arthur Alley. Okay. Oh man. You know, you could have Polly as the leader. Ada it does not have the stomach to be the criminal mm-hmm. underbelly leader. So you still need use for somebody like Finn, 
realistically, Michael is Tommy. But Michael's going down a, stu- a path of stupidity. At um, least that's, that's what it appears. At this moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, watch the seasons more. You'll see. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm talking to the audience, not you. Oh, okay. Um, in the following scene, all right, Polly's. We don't get a lot of Polly, but we never get a lot of Polly of what Polly's doing, right? No. But uh, here she is talking to Michael and essentially trying to bring him back. You know, she's mm-hmm. letting him know for the first time that Tommy has, um, he wants to reinstate him into the company by putting him in charge of the opium business. And she does have essentially like a, let's bring Michael back down to earth, okay? Michael, mm-hmm. you want to consult with your wife on running the opium deal? Well, let me tell you something about your wife. Your wife would have no interest in you if she had to do what your father did, which was actually work the coal mines, mm-hmm. right? She's not going to want to even touch you if you had your hands full of coal, yeah. right? Like, Polly comes from that. Like She comes from that. She had to fight for it. Michael very much has never had to fight for anything in, this, no. in the growth of this company. So there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of... What do you call that when somebody thinks that they uh, deserve something that they don't deserve? Uh, privilege uh arrogance? i don't know no not arrogance i know it's what a, you're i know what entitled you're, he feels yeah. like he he acts entitled to it and he's not really like you know making it easy on the rest of the family to forgive him in a sense well no he's he, being a little prick right it's as simple as that he's being a prick that's as simple as that and Polly reads gina like a book because gina is a strong-willed woman like she is she reads her like a book but um, Polly's caught between essentially. I consider Tommy her son. I really do. Like I, I consider mean, she acts like his mother. So and he acts like a son. He yeah. he takes care of her like no other, mm-hmm. and he respects her opinion like no other. Um. All right, in between the party that's about to happen at the end of the episode, or at least the start of the party that happens at the end of the episode, Tommy meets McCavern and he cuts a deal. Which goes back to Chang needing to be a bit of um, make a statement, right? Mm-hmm. Because Tommy is still taking a few sacks of opium off and giving it to McCavern here. But I have a feeling that the only reason Tommy's doing this is to connect Mosley in some way to the opium trade, right? Because he requires mm-hmm. payment from McCavern. Mm-hmm. I don't think he mm-hmm. wants to do this. I think that he's trying to impl- you know, implicate him with something bad, right? Maybe, I don't know, maybe he was just kind of taking advantage of the opportunity here, right? Like, like how would he know that it wouldn't be a check? I mean, is that just completely unreasonable for it to be in cash if you're a gangster, right? I've never moved opium, so I wouldn't know. I personally wouldn't want a check if I was doing so, though. I would want cash. Yeah. So, um, Jimmy does agree, but Tommy's essentially saying... I don't know. I don't trust your signature on a check. I'm not going to take that to a bank mm-hmm. and, um, and, and cash that out. But if you get uh, Mosley to sign off on it, we're good. And mm-hmm. McCavern is so confident that Mosley's going to sign it that he spits in his hand and does a, what do you call that? A spit shake? A spit? I don't know. It's a nasty ass handshake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the actual term is. You just spit in your, in your hand and shake hands. That's about it. I, I do love this, um, this line from Tommy here. Where he goes, um, what does Tommy say? And he gets insulted because McCavern is insulting them and insulting them and insulting them. There it is. Here's the line. 
McCavern is like poking fun of him and then tells him you're okay. And Tommy goes, I'm okay. And what does he say? Yeah, I'm only okay. Or I'm okay. Yeah, I'm only okay until I'm not okay. And then I'm really not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like that line so much, man. So much. Because it's so true with Tommy. Mm Because he's generally speaking, not like the most. He doesn't fly off the handle. But when he does fly off the handle. And I wonder, I wonder how you go and and weigh seven tons. Like how how much did he just take off of a seven tons of opium and give to uh, to Jimmy McCavin? I missed that. But, Ten sacks. Yeah, but like how much does that weigh compared to know. compared to seven tons? Depends how big the sacks like I think, are. I think I think I think ten sna- sacks or however many it was. Maybe that's one ton. Sounds like it's like that's half a, a lot. That's, I mean, that's, it that's sounds to me like it's like not even a ton. Like it's maybe like a fifth of a ton or something like well, that. Well, hold on. Okay, so the the amount of money that the entire seven tons is worth was one million one hundred ninety thousand euro pounds. Euro didn't exist. Sorry, pounds. Then. My bad. Um, I wrote it down and I used the euro symbol. Uh, and then right now, gosh, what, what even is the Euro technically shouldn't exist in the UK right now. Everybody, didn't they all vote for Brexit? Should, they should be okay, trying to move back to, know. to the, maybe, maybe my math is all and they didn't the honor it. Like, I have like no the, idea. Their actual government did not honor it. Like, they never did it. Boris Johnson never did it. If I'm not mistaken on that, I might be talking out of my, you know what right now, but. I I have no idea. Um, if if that's the case, my that was a thing for a while. Maybe it was wrong. it was a thing for a while. Are you Is looking it, something up right now? It was well. I was just gonna say right, like, uh, the, the total seven tons was worth one million one hundred ninety thousand pounds, mm-hmm. and he just bought ten thousand pounds worth of opium off of Tommy. So it it seems like such a small amount. By the way, I think your number's wrong. I don't think it's seven million. I think you you have to be wrong about that. But I didn't say seven million. What are you talking about? You said that the one million one hundred ninety thousand pounds in today's dollar amount would be seven million, worth no. around seven something million dollars. No, 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 not now. You said that earlier in the episode. Earlier. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's the only thing that I could think of it if my math is actually off. I think it's way more than that, if I'm not mistaken. But so how much? How much was it? It was. It was 250,000 pounds, yeah? Let me just look up. What would 1 million pounds be worth today? 300. Mm, let me see. I still think it's going to be pretty close. But you got to keep them, you have to, you have to calculate inflation, right? You can't just say 250,000 pounds well, today. This is 1929, right? I think it's like 1932 something 1930 1931 two, something like that so let's let's do some live fact checking let's do pound to usd and oops well let me just give you an example real quick from 1860 1 million pounds in 1860 would be worth 129 million pounds today so I would assume that it has to be around closer to like 50 million or something like that. So 
About 15 million, I think they I'm trying said. To, I'm trying to find a good... So, 1930... No, let's see, that's not... All right, I'm going to continue while you look yeah, that up. Yeah, go, go ahead. This is going to take me a minute to try and... Okay, well, we're getting, we're getting to the, to the end of the episode here, and um, mm-hmm. we get the start of the party. Uh, Oswald arrives to a night with a bunch of gypsies. Michael chooses of all places to tell Gina about the opium deal at this party, in which we find out that Gina's... Although she hates most of English life, is obsessed with the, uh, with the like lineage system, like the royalty system, and she knows yeah. precisely uh, that Oswald is a, a baronet. I think which, she calls him. Which I kind of found suspicious, and Michael kind of looked like he found it a little suspicious well, too. I must say, this is the closest that I've seen Michael revert back to the Michael that I used to love. Like this mm-hmm. is like, he's acting, you know, he's being a boss when he's presenting this, but yeah. Gina downplays it. The whole scene, you have Tommy in the background in his portrait overlooking this whole thing, which is great. And um, he know he's playing her weakness now. He's saying, "Look, you know, you know the amount of we're gonna make a million dollars per annum. You know, we're gonna have mm-hmm. a bigger party room than this entire room itself, like double the size of this room." Mm-hmm. And her eyes really light up when he says one million pounds per year, right? Uh, to the point where she's willing to put everything aside, but. At the end of the day, I think Gina's more interested in power than she cares about the rest. Like, the money will come, but what she really wants is she wants to be married to the boss. Mm-hmm. That's what she really wants. And that's why she ends the scene by walking over to Tommy's portrait and says, you know, and one day you'll be the boss and Tommy will be gone and go wherever he wants to go most. And Which will Tommy be? Right? It's, why does she have this much insight into Tommy? I find that to be BS. I don't know. Michael's not close to Tommy at this point, unless Paulie's snitching, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I don't see how she would have this amount of insight into him. Yeah. Did you find anything new on the pounds so, here? Maybe, maybe. One second. Uh, Just save it for the end. 15 million, that might be. Yeah, that's what, that's what I found as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's closer to fifteen million. Yeah. So now, while while we're while you're, we're watching this and you talk through some of this, I'm gonna try and recalculate a little bit of, of the the math that I did do, forgetting that we're now dealing in pounds, and we'll see if I'm even close. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, continuing onward here, Tommy is still. I mean, look, he's a man. So he's laying his claim on Lizzie right now after finding out that Mosley slept with his wife. And it's kind of just, you know, his way of saying, I care, right? Can we give totally. Tommy the benefit yeah, of the doubt? Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with it. I stand by that. <laughs> I stand by that statement. Um, at the end of the day, Mosley's going to be a prick. And Lizzie also kind of, you know, they're married. And Lizzie, she's got a soft spot for Tom. I got to say, she's probably in love with Tom. Do you disagree or agree? After all, she was willing to accept the money when mm-hmm. John Boy was going to get married to her back in season one that or two. True. Um, was that season two or one? That was season one. one. Yeah. Lizzie's been around for the whole whole ride, so to speak. <laughs> um, Tommy 
sends Polly as his agent to kind of like get under Mosley's skin. She offers him op- she op- offers him drugs, drink, and uh, I'm not sure what else she offered him. I think she offered him like a maid or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he offered. But Mosley's obviously offended by not being introduced in some way to the party, which he should. He's a baronet, right, Zach? If you were a baronet, you'd probably give me hell if I didn't yeah, introduce you to a party. Yeah, I would want to be introduced if I walked right. in and I was just... You know, looking around off of a very high class. Uh, I feel. Do you feel bad for Moses here? You're always saying how sympathetic you are towards his cause. We <laughs> <laughs> haven't all gotten right. into that yet. No, yeah, not yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. No, no, no. But um, <laughs> Polly is essentially fishing for what his weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does try attempt to sleep with Polly. All right, done. Just done with your math calculations. Do that at the end. I gotta know. I don't right. know. I like how I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a silence here until you figure it out. Then I will. We'll be quiet for like the next five minutes if we do that. All right, I'm gonna literally be quiet for the next five minutes. You're gonna be quiet. For, okay, you literally paused it. All right, so I'm gonna the pounds then one million one hundred ninety thousand pounds from nineteen thirty to. You know, calculating inflation to today would be eighty-two million eight hundred seventy-eight thousand pounds. And if you convert that to all right, that's that's a lot of money. Dollar, that's it's it. it's one hundred and twelve million dollars basically. And so you multiply. Yeah, no, I think that's how much money they would be making a year if if they took over the the opium trade altogether. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah. Long story short. Uh Lizzie's on to Tommy in terms of uh his uh why they were having sex right before the party and making everybody wait. Mm-hmm. Um and he lets her know after they're done having sex that, you know, hey, look, there's somebody coming tonight that is uh you've probably had a previous relationship with. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, what does she expect? It is to be expected, right? If anybody's coming from Birmingham or visited and whatnot, she does have a reputation to her. I mean, based on her her line in in the previous episode, what was it, like seven men or ten men a day? Seven men a day. Yeah. She's riding horse side saddle. Yeah. All right. It's not a, it's honestly, they are a good match for each other in some sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy. You take, you take the next scene. Well, the next scene, we have uh, Tommy walking into his office and Oswald Mosley just waiting in there impatiently. And they want to. Uh, what was I going to say? Tom, no Tommy, wants, Tom, Tommy wants to deal with business first. Um, they want to get, or he wants to get the check signed. Uh, from Oswald Mosley. Oswald basically ends up saying, well, if I sign this, then you'll have me tied back to uh, the Jimmy McAvern and, and, you know, the bad dealings that he's involved with. And you could use that to move against me. And Tommy Tommy has another great line here, which is, well, why would I want to move against you? Like kind of putting the ball back in his court, which was great. Yeah, I really found it like Oswald is on to his all of his strategies in some sense here. Mm-hmm. You know, 
it's like Tommy's being painfully obvious in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, you're showing that I have a connection between me and him. It's like Oswald knows. But it's also, to me, Oswald flaunting the fact that even if you tie connections to me, it's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem doesn't seem like um, calculating enough to catch a guy like Oswald, right? Yeah. It's just a little bit too obvious. Yeah, I mean, he was already he was already perceptive about the whole. What was it? Uh, Brandy before dinner. Brandy and and what was it? Cocaine and, and something else. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, like they know it's not the alcohol, it's not the drugs, and um, it's not even the women really. It's Mm-mm. uh. He lies to me, in my opinion, about his weakness. He says it's a tendency to trust people. Yeah, I I noted that down. I would as say it's well. maybe the opposite. He was. It's his self-proclaimed weakness, which was his tendency to trust people, is what I wrote down. And I'm wondering, you know, if it's a cover or is it true? And I would put my money on it being a cover, than anything else. Yeah, I mean, well, we know. That his real weakness is power. That's that's really well, that's his, that's true. His weakness is is a power trip. It's you know he's it's an addiction. Um, he does make an interesting claim about Tommy, and he says, "Look, I know you don't have classical education, but you are the perfect. Uh, what does he say? He's the the perfect combination of Dionysus and Apollo. Control irrational frenzy controlled ah. by rational. You're the perfect balance between the gods Dionysus and Apollo." Yeah. Irrational frenzy controlled by reason and self-reflection. Now, you pulled those up at the beginning of the episode. I did. So, basically, both uh, Dionysus and Apollo are gods of the creative arts in the Greek tradition. Isn't Dionysus the god of, um, of, like, he's the god of, like, parties and stuff like that, of wine and of all that? So, I mean, there's a whole bunch here that I could read through, but um, Dionysus is the son of Zeus. Um, and Samil, the mortal daughter of Cadmus, king of Thebes. Fertility. Yeah. yeah. So Dionysus is associated with death and resurrection. That's and going a little bit too deep. That's going too deep into the symbolism. But he is the yeah. god of wine and pleasure and festivity and madness and wild frenzy. That is the the basis of it. And Apollo is the god of... Divine distance, who made mortals aware of their own guilt and purified them of it. He's actually spot on about Tommy in the sense of <clears throat> of being the half of not being able to be forbidden, which is kind of mm-hmm. like a Dionysus, and then the Apollo who has these these guilt visions. Like, I mean, his suicidal visions are not of a. At the end of the day, it's his guilt that is weighing down on him, which shows that he is a good person. He does care about the mm-hmm. things that he's done, even in so far as taking down Oswald. Now, Oswald, they do have a conversation with Lizzie, which has kind of been anticipated in the entire episode. Yep. And uh, Lizzie does confirm by her reaction to Polly that she did sleep with him. And uh, she tells him off. Lizzie has her moment. I was happy for her character here. that She actually lets Oswald have it. And he walks away like, you know, having been told off in a way. Yeah. I was surprised that he Uh, did not like flip out and throw more of a fit than he did. Well, like, remember, I, I, I expected yeah. him to make more of a scene, yeah. if it not, if it at least not right now, later. I felt that way as well, but maybe later. But he can't afford to have a public display of like being out of order based mm-hmm. on what his goals are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ballet commences, which, which we haven't a made a much of a scene. note of, right? Because 
Oswald is impressed and doesn't know how Tommy got this ballet company because at the end of the day, Tommy is a self-made man. Yeah. I mean, he has more money than Oswald has, I would assume, right? Oswald probably inherited his, his fortunes. Mm-hmm. And um, Tommy's like, I paid him a lot of money. I donate to him. That's how I got him at my house. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot going on in the ballet. It's pretty much a montage. You have Lizzie yeah. kind of like comforting Tom. You have Gina staring around the room while Michael's watching the ballet. Mm-hmm. Arthur's asleep. Um, Abrama precision to drop something in Polly's lap from all the way back there. I don't understand how that happened, but <laughs> something happens. Perhaps one of the more interesting things that happens is the long glance between yeah. Gina and Mosley. That's what I, I don't know well. where that's going, but Very that, suspicious. Could, that could not have happened for no reason. Do you agree? Yeah. If it's in the show, there had to have been a reason for it. It's too much. They ha- and, they, and they haven't resolved it so far. Yeah. So how does that come back? Um, a car approaches while Abarama proposes to Polly and she agrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy's the first to notice the car uh, and he notices Arthur sleeping. I really do like this concept here because here it did feel like Michael was back in the Yeah, he really right? did feel like he was back in, he was in back, the family. Right? In that one little moment. It's like who do I got to go to when I you know, it's Arthur sleeping. He's a, he looks like a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Let me go to Michael who looks composed, right? He looks more reliable than Arthur. But Arthur is at the end of the day more reliable than Michael because Definitely. of his lack of rivaling ambition. Um Polly is getting it on with Abarama. Mm-hmm. And we have the climax of the episode, which is the arrival of Linda, our favorite character in Peaky yeah, Blinders. Literally, like our most favorite. If you could not tell, she's our favorite character. Well, she dressed up for quite the confrontation here because she's dressed up yeah. to, an, to the 11th. She's got a nice dress. She's got her makeup done up. I've never seen someone. I don't ever want to see someone dressed up this well <laughs> before. Gun on you. you know what I mean? Like she is dressed to party and go to a nice dinner after. I mean, think about how premeditated this moment is. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> she she didn't just drive up speeding with the car and, and end up trying to uh, to shoot Arthur. She she got makeup done. She she had to have gone out and bought oh, this dress. Yeah. Got bought a yeah. gun or something. She went got to the hair salon. Right? Everything. And she's just always so deranged. She's a perfect fit for Arthur. But, you know, Arthur did rip a guy's face apart. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's... Man, this is kind of messed up to say it, but Linda should have known. Like, don't involve anybody else That's until you resolve your situation with Arthur. In the last episode, you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. There's no way you could not expect something like that to happen. Cool. When Anyways, I first saw this episode and she yeah. pulls the gun on Arthur, I was like, if she kills Arthur, so help me, God. You know what What I what I thought when I first saw this for the very first time? I was worried that he was actually going to be dead because we've already had the whole Arthur fake death scene. Yeah, like this was going to be I'm it. like, it, you can't do that again. He's yeah, gonna it's too much to die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I kind of felt the same way, but I was like, you can't kill Arthur like this. There's too uh, much for him to do at this point. Yeah. Um, well, Polly emerges. We kind of like glossed over it as it happened, but Polly mm-hmm. saves the day from her little honeymoon session with Abarama and actually shoots Linda, who collapses yeah. to the floor. The swan falls to the floor at the same time. And end of episode. Yeah. And pause the next episode because we're getting into episode <laughs> yeah, we'll, five. Yeah, we'll start rolling right into the next one. I have not yeah. taken notes for it yet. Yeah. Let me uh, stop sharing here and go to the uh, 
that. Now, Zach, you always do the superlatives here or I the do. extra category. So, I do. So, first one is best scene. What are you, what are what are your favorite scenes, or what do you consider to be the best scenes in this one? <sighs> the best scenes. Hmm. The brilliant Chang meeting. Okay. It was intense. It was, mm-hmm. it was like that same intensity that we had when the IRA visited Tommy in season one. It's kind of like that kind of intensity. Yeah. We also have not never encountered the Chinese, in a in an equal setting, mm-hmm. right? Because there's always they're always like Tommy is using them as like a, as a tool rather than like negotiating with them as equals. So I did find that scene very interesting. Yeah. What about you? So I, I wrote two down. One of them was actually, so I wrote it down as, you know, Tommy meeting his constituents. Like I thought like that ah. whole drawn out bit, I think was, was funny, but then, you know, moving right on to the next person and in the line, right. Uh, brilliant Chang. I thought that was very, very interesting. And yeah, I mean, it was, it's one of the new, uh, confrontations that, that, uh, Tommy has with somebody else in a very powerful position. Uh, just not politically. Yeah. The other I, one that I liked a lot that was the the ballerina performance. There was just a lot that ah, just happened yeah. there once. Yeah. That whole the whole ballerina performance with everything going on mm-hmm. was very well, was like really well done. Yeah. So I, I agree with you on that. Like I may have to change it because when I first saw that I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Um <laughs> up until the end but it's just like yeah and then linda getting shot at the end is great i mean it is it is it's fantastic like the highlight of the episode actually it is when she gets <laughs> shot it's like, definitely the finally highlight. yeah uh, so no, sorry whoever no you are but you did a great job your character is hateable it's great in, <clears throat> in a show of uh, likable evil characters you are the most unlikable yeah uh, for sure um most memorable character in the show yeah that's the next one is it not always tommy is so i i actually had tommy? to write tommy down in this one he really pulled through with the punches to uh Oswald, it's kind of a usually, joke this is a joke of a question to ask every episode well i know? mean th- th- what we what we set out at the beginning was to try to pick tommy not all the time yeah so and i think we've done a good job at that but this one i, I have to give to tommy minus finn <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> Um, Most memorable. Yeah. Being, well, move, moving on to to episode five, we have a we have essentially Linda's been shot. You're mm-hmm. still in the middle of the party, so mm-hmm. you know what do you do about that? As we kind of let the video kind of slide over a bit, um, and you still have Tommy in the midst of this situation with Oswald. There is no resolution to that yet, so. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to still be shaken out here. You have Michael who has not really responded. He's he's essentially agreed to take on the offer as taking over the opium trade, but he has mm-hmm. not had that conversation with Tommy yet. No. Um, Arthur's still in disarray. Um, McCavern is still reaching for more. And um, it's about to be 1930 in this show. It's November 16th was the performance, according to that invitation in the show. Yeah. So. The World War Two is brewing. It's brewing and bubbling. <laughs> is it not? It definitely is. Yeah. We have a few more episodes. We have two more episodes in season five before we're done with this season. Mm-hmm. And then actually this Sunday, we're recording this on February 22nd of the year 2022. It's 2 22 day. 
Yeah, and it is. Um, this Sunday is actually the 27th where the final season of Peaky Blinders is going to premiere. We are in the United States, and so therefore we are forbidden from using iPlayer, but we are going to try to get a VPN. And, um, well, it's not going to be hard to get a VPN. We're going to hope the VPN works <laughs> to, to watch the, uh, the show with all of you uh, Londoners and everybody who gets the BBC and all that stuff over there. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be on the same page. Otherwise, and I would love to watch it week to week instead of like all at having once. it yeah, all. I there. was gonna ask you: Is the schedule week to week with iPlayer over there? Like it's on a TV. Channel. I think it's I think it's week to week. I hope. I, I think hope it's, so. If it's not, we're gonna have to do like a sprint next week, like every day. and watch all six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know, if it's all, it's not a bad problem to have. I would like that, but we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's the end of the, this episode, Zach, with the outro. For sure. Well, you have an abbreviated you. outro yet? or uh? Not yet, but I should totally just be like, yo, all the links are in the description below. Peace. <laughs> no, but thank you for listening. You can find this episode basically anywhere that you you find podcasts, right? Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Story Archives. You can find us on the internet at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which also leads us into our podcast network, you can find the podcast there available in all of the same places that you find this. There's also some links over there um, in an effort to keep this short. But if you also want to maybe send us a message, you want to, I don't know, be on the show, you want to suggest a new show, you can send an email to podcast at the midnight exchange.com. And yeah, that, that'll about do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you all. We'll see you on episode five of season five of the Peaky Pod on the Soapbox Network, a part of the Story Archives. I got to make that shorter, too. I'm working on it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right, Zach. It's a pleasure, as always, my friend. Always. All right. Ending now. Peace. Peace.